0: I think we need to get more of that talked about mm-hmm. because a lot of people just don't understand how difficult it is to be a mother. And if they just, you know, oh, that was easy for me. Why the hell you have a problem?
1: Well, I, th- I, I think there's like mother amnesia. Like yeah. once you get out of a certain, like, because I, I noticed it, uh, it was like two weeks after something, I was like, oh, yeah, remember when this was so hard or this was so like this? This is crazy because it's not like that anymore. And it's like, yeah, you just forget. And so I think that's where the whole mother Mm -hmm. judgment thing can get really hardcore. It's like, oh, I would never do that. It's like, well, you probably would would or did, and you don't remember because, like, your brain is messed up. Yeah. And there's actual shifts in the gray matter, right? You mm-hmm. probably know yeah. that, right? Yeah. It's like, and so it's like, okay, I'm not supposed to be normal right now. It's fine. It is. Yeah. And uh, anyways, yeah, just kind of running with it. Sorry, I started. <laughs> I'm jumping again. Am I okay. jumping again? No, No
0: problem at all. <laughs> I will cut and use that right at the beginning. Oh, perfect. Awesome. All right. <laughs> the five elements of letting go. The podcast discussing mental health openly and freely and learning tools and techniques to find peace. So, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Five Elements Letting Go. I'm Dr. Jared McCollum. My guest tonight is Tanya Ryan. And just a little introduction to Tanya. Um, Tanya, I've known you for over
2: eight years or
0: something, I don't know, maybe 10. The very first time I met Tanya Ryan was in a yoga
2: class,
0: (laughs) and uh, I'm, uh, you know, going through the class. It was a lot of fun. I remember your dad was there. You're giving him a hard time, (laughs) and uh, um, it was a really fun class. I was really amazed at how you, uh, you know, the flow and connection in the class and how you taught it. I was like, wow, this is a really excellent yoga teacher, and that was a long time ago. It's like you've gotten (laughs) so good. And, you know, we're laying there in Shavasana, my eyes are closed. And then I'm like, that is the most amazing sound system I've ever heard. <laughs> There's an angel singing in the room. And then I, I opened my eyes, you know, peeking, and you're singing to us. <laughs> and it was amazing. And I'm like, wow, she should really sing uh, more. <laughs> And I, of course, I had no idea that Tanya is a singer. And she, you know, she's got some albums now. She's been down to Nashville. She's won contests. She plays, sings at the Stampede every year. She is a rock star, a country rock star, I guess, right? Something
1: like that. Yeah.
0: So she's a uh, yoga teacher. She is a, you uh, uh, do uh, readings with tarot and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. She's uh, a fantastic singer. She's a writer. You got a blog, but you 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 know, end up in the paper at least once a month. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's a shitster. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: what is it? Provocative. Yeah, That's provocateur.
2: Like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One thing I love about Tanya is she um, says what's on her mind and she does it in a way never to piss anyone off, but just like this is real. And I'm gonna talk about it, because we should. hmm And you do a fantastic job of it.
1: Oh thank you. So
0: thank you. We need more of that. In well this that's world.
1: so can I tell you about my philosophy with that? Sure, yeah. Okay, so you know how we you've heard the term light worker? Mm-hmm. Okay. And for anyone that maybe hasn't heard it, it's just essentially a term that's adopted by people who I would just to generalize are doing their part to be good in the world, sort of mm-hmm. thing. They're kind of spreading the light, so to speak. And so I think that a lot of people do this by keeping, you know, a positive vibe, or they try to keep their vibration high, or they're doing it by spreading kindness or whatever that is. And that's amazing. I think there's just this second part to it that gets forgotten, which is if you share your shadows and you spread light on your shadows. They're not shadows anymore, and mm-hmm. so that's spreading light too. And so that's kind of my philosophy is, well, I'm going to open up my closet, and I'm going to let you in all the deep, dark corners because they're here, and the more light I can put here, then the less shadows there are.
2: Yeah,
0: very interesting. Like, you know, I know for myself in my practice, when I first started, you know, I'm wearing like a, you know, uh, shirt and tie, or sweater vests, or <laughs> whatever, trying to put out this image of perfection, or mm-hmm. like you know he's got it all together, all of this. And over time, as I got more confidence in myself and in my practice, it's just like you know, patients crave authenticity mm-hmm. and real. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to be more myself. Of course, I hired someone that kind of pushed me in that direction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Crystal was like, "Um, you're crazy underneath that sweater vest. Let's bring this out. Yeah. And she was very good at that. And so, you know, I started getting more tattoos and just letting myself be myself. And it's interesting how when you are, when you do that, when you put out your real self, people crave that so much that you build really good connections with people when they see, oh, you are you. Mm-hmm. You're not pretending to be this thing. You're mm-hmm. not, um, you know, hiding behind this facade. You're a real person, mm-hmm. and you have real weaknesses and, and difficulties, just like me. Um, you're doing your best, just like me. And there's something about that that creates a, a connection, mm-hmm. but also shows your my patients that you know we're all in this, mm-hmm. and we're all trying to do our best to find balance and health. And uh, I think way too often. You know, health practitioners try to make everyone think that they have this perfect plan and they're doing it perfectly and Mm -hmm. have it all figured out, which just creates this uh, distance where there's a kind of a bit of lack of trust because, like, well, I can never do what they do. Not that they're doing it, but they're pretending that they're doing it. But, yeah, I love that, you know, putting light on your shadows because I – I throw my shadows out everywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was going to say, I'm like the straight-laced version of you. I'm like, hmm, yeah, no, not a fit, not a fit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in
0: what ways do you like? What things have you done to help uh, show that shine that light on your shadows?
1: Uh, I talk about sui- suicide pretty candidly, mm-hmm. and depression, obviously, yeah. and then more recently, I've been talking about postpartum depression and postpartum challenges that I've gone through. Uh, and predominantly because um, I had so much, like I was, uh, I benefited so much by other people sharing their stories with me. Um, just reading, because um, I ended up being in a bunch of because of COVID, I was on in online support groups. I couldn't mm-hmm. get it together with any real people, yeah. um, which probably created its own layer of challenge in and of itself. For but sure. Um, but anyways, people would post these. It was almost like that. People just share their, you know, crap of the day. Am I allowed to swear? What's this? Oh, this
0: is an explicit Let's, podcast. Okay, to say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs>
1: Okay, great. I like to ask first. Okay. Yeah. So people would be sharing, you know, what happened to them that day. And so reading other people's stories, like, oh, because I think it's human nature. We don't want to feel ostracized. We don't feel want to feel alone. Like, we're, we're herd animals, essentially. And we need to feel like we're in a community. And as soon as we start to feel isolated and alone, and that's mm-hmm. when things go sour. Yeah. And so, reading people's posts, I was like, oh, this is normal, this is okay, it's okay that I feel this way, okay, this will pass, or, because, you know, someone would post, and then they'd get many, many comments, and lots of, and it was actually really incredible just to see how much support was there for these people, but, Mm -hmm. so most of your comments was, you know, you can get through this, it's going to pass, don't worry, like, not don't worry but just kind of like just basically validating this sucks and Mm -hmm. you're going to get through it and it's going to be okay in the end trust yourself yeah yeah and so i was like oh i wish this was more public public like because this was really obviously uh there was a lot of connection within the group but the group is very private and and rightfully slow because people should be able to express these things privately if that's what they feel more comfortable doing Um, And so I decided to use my platform, a public platform to make it like to normal, to normalize it more publicly so that people, because of course I had this baby and then people are like, oh, isn't it amazing? Don't you just love it? Isn't it wonderful? And I, you know, like there's of course these little ladies and I'm just lying through my teeth to them because I'm not wanting to tell them, no, I hate it. I, I hate it. There's nothing I would, there's, I would not. I would do anything over this. This is not what I want to do. (laughs) And I regret this decision entirely. I think I was stupid to do this. I am not good at this. This is not a role I should have taken. And all these thoughts, and I'm just smiling and nodding like, yeah, it's great. It's great. Love it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with the people that I love, like you had Madison Krebs on your show, so I tell her all the things, but... You know, it's just it just it was kind of this imposed upon new moms that everything should be wonderful. And some people do; they love newborns, and that's so great. And then some people don't, and I think it's just normalizing that you know you don't have to love every phase that your kid goes through to Mm -hmm. love your kid.
0: Yeah. So I've always described newborn babies as parasites.
1: That's what I did. And (laughs) (laughs) whole nine months he was in me, and then afterwards, exactly. (laughs) And
0: some people will be a little offended by that, but I'll tell you, you know, like newborns other than being really cute and that's why they're cute because if they weren't we wouldn't keep around because mm-hmm. they you know they take so much from you mm-hmm. initially and they really don't give much back until at least like 12 18 weeks maybe longer mm-hmm. where they they can start to you know they look at you and they react and respond and then it gets a little funner at that point mm-hmm. but i tell you at the beginning It is hard work. Totally. And, you know, to pile on someone who's dealing with postpartum (laughs) and -hmm. judging them, what a terrible thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, continue your story.
1: No, that's, I, I don't have much story other than that, unless you want me to get into the, like, the, I guess you saw the Instagram post. Well, so,
0: I, and I'll, I'll let our listeners know that, you know, you did share that publicly. You wrote an article that was in the paper.
1: I thought it was funny.
0: Yeah, it was hilarious.
1: <gasps> oh, thank you, because I was just trying to be yeah, funny.
0: Because, again, when when we're dealing with <laughs> comedy, you have to understand, you know, the individual and where they're coming from. And if you aren't open, to, you know, and understand that, you know, comedy can be really dark. Mm-hmm. And that's what, it's very therapeutic when we get really cathartic and dark and, and mm-hmm. let that out. I knew you, so I knew where it was coming from. Mm-hmm. But um, so that got put out there and I think it was posted, of course, online for the Western Wheel. Yep. And uh, you had a, a few negative comments
1: Yeah. I had a whole like nice thread there. What was was funny about reading it. So this, this girl posted it and it was fine. I I read it. It actually didn't shake me or affect me because it happens. Like I, I have written things. And of course, when you have an opinion that, and you wouldn't well know this, Mm -hmm. if you have an opinion uh, and a strong one, you're going to meet people that have a different opinion. And that's, that's, that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. People are allowed to have different opinions. So generally speaking, I don't feel that threatened when someone comes in with a different opinion. It's like, okay. Yeah. Um, and I kind of sit there and think, well, that wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. I write my pieces and I know who they're for and they're for someone and it just wasn't for you. And that's okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, my husband doesn't like peas and I do. They're not for him. They're for <laughs> me. It's, it's fine. And so, yeah, so she wrote that thing. What surprised me was not that she wrote that and that, you know that she said what she said that was a little bit insensitive. Um, But it was actually how many people like glommed onto it and they went on to a spiral and then they all kept kind of like egging each other on. So I was like more in like more... uh, disappointed in like just the human like experience of no really no one's got like any sort of understanding here like none <laughs> okay well that's that's okay yeah. Um and I did actually I did go on the thread and address it directly as well And just basically say like, hello, (laughs) you're talking about me. And yes, I had postpartum or I have had postpartum depression and it's a real thing and it sucks. And I deal with real things that suck by making fun of them. And Mm -hmm. um, my my kids loved and we're all good. Thanks for... You know, checking in with all the compassion that you have here. So, uh, yeah, I was just basically saying it was. I was just like, "Ah, oh, this is incredibly cruel." And anyway, she ended up deleting the thread, so there was that.
0: But the, and I think you know, I know when I delete a thread, it's went to a point where I'm like, "Okay, I was wrong. I look stupid. Let's delete this." Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that that's where she came from, or she's just like, "Yeah." This is getting dark and nasty. We should just end this and yeah. take it away from everyone.
1: I I hope so too. Yeah,
0: because I remember you. You know, in your Instagram, you shared you know some of the things that were said, and it mm-hmm. was just crazy. Because I, you know, to um, like if you are harming your child, yes, you can say things like that. But you, you know, you have, you say in the article, "Your child's okay, it's loved." You know, I'm doing mm-hmm. my best. But to just attack you when they know you are depressed already, you've flat out said, I'm dealing with this and it's real. And to just attack you just blowed my mind that what lack of compassion in some people.
1: It's just funny. So spoiler alert. Uh There is another column coming out in response to that.
0: And you're writing this one as well? It's
1: already. Yeah, I think it's out this week. I'd, I'd actually have to look. So, anyways, it's kind of funny. So, what I say, it inspired something in me because I was sitting there. And of course, when when I read her initial comment, it didn't. I didn't feel like have much of a reaction. But then the more comments I read, I was I got frustrated because I was like, like really, like no one's coming in and just saying like, yeah, I had a baby and it sort of sucked for a little while. Like mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe that there was no one, mind you, like attracts like. So there yeah. was that.
0: Yeah, and those that have those experiences because everyone was piling on, of course.
1: It's going to take a very yeah, brave person right. to interject. Totally. So, I I was just, it made me think about it. And, of course, then I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this girl that posted this, obviously she was raised in a space where her negative feelings weren't welcome. Like, where mm-hmm. her negative feelings were, in, like, intimidating, or they were frowned upon, or they... It's like, no, don't cry. Like, have you ever heard that, you know, thing that someone would say to you in like the 80s or 90s was like, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about? Yes. Like, oh, yeah, that's the most helpful thing you can say. My brother said that
0: to me all the time. I'm sure my father said that a few times.
1: (laughs) Perfect. I remember someone said it to me once. I was a really sensitive kid. And I just remember being like, I thought he was going to kill me. Like that was like, and and I wasn't dramatic. Like I legitimately felt my life like it was this big man. And I was like five years old and I was crying for whatever reason And he said that to me, and I remember feeling like, oh, my God, if I do not stifle my crying right now, he will hurt me. Mm -hmm. And like, what a horrible (laughs) thing to do to a little kid. But anyways, I digress. But yeah, so I just was like, well, okay, so this person obviously doesn't have the capacity to hold space for someone that's going through something or experiencing Mm -hmm. something that does come off as Mm -hmm. negative or scary or intimidating. And that's Poopy, that sucks. And so, see, I'm used to censoring myself on radio. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. This is a of 10 yeah. years of training on media. Good job, Tanya. Okay. So, um, so that was essentially what my article became about was um, basically just saying, um, I'm sorry for you that you you were not raised in a place where your feelings were welcome. And honestly, what a blessing for my kid that he is raised in a place where his feelings, no matter What he experiences, I will not deny his feelings. So if he Mm. feels angry, if he feels sad, if he feels depressed, if he feels scared, those feelings are not going to be scary for me because I've gone through all of them and then some. So he'll get to feel those and process them and digest them and experience them and grow to be a person that can hold space for someone that might be trying to push him down or Mm -hmm. be trying to call him names. And he can turn around and go, hmm, that sucks that... You know, you need to feel this way, and you have to try to make me feel this way.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's so interesting because this type of parenting, where you give that freedom to express those emotions, especially for young men, you know, I would I would venture to say that ninety percent of the problems in this world, the root is toxic masculinity.
1: Wow, coming from a man, <laughs> but oh, really, my favorite podcast
0: it is it's this approach that you know. Um, you know, only girls can show emotion Mm -hmm. and then that's a negative thing or a weakness. Mm -hmm. And if you as a boy show any emotion, you're a pussy or you are, and and all these terms that you are you a girl, you are a woman, Mm -hmm. you know, why on earth we allow, you know, a woman to be a derogatory term blows my mind
1: i know it's really quite sad isn't it
0: and then we tell all these young men that you can't feel you can't talk about it you just gotta suck it up buddy and
1: Mm
2: -hmm. be a
0: man and what has that done to men you know um men are like 70 plus percent of all suicides in the world Mm -hmm. if you look at all the mass shootings who are they done by like and 99.9% they're men. Mm-hmm. And it's all this pent up emotion because they're not allowed to share it and express it. You know, why are so many more men in prison? Why, <laughs> you know, all these things where we're not allowing them to be honest with their emotions and express them and let them go. Mm-hmm. And there's a and again, I mentioned this in the last podcast, but there's a great documentary called The Mask We Live In. And it's all about toxic masculinity and how harmful it is to men, but also particularly to women. You know, rape and misogyny and all these things that uh, harm our communities because we don't allow men to express emotion. And that, you know, that overalling, you know, systematic system of toxic masculinity then harms women in that, you know, they're not allowed to be honest with their emotions either. You know, uh, they're still expected to, but it's this negative weakness thing. And it is harming all of us this idea and the more we can stand up for being honest with how we feel and letting it out so that we can get help that we can get support that we can let go. I'm all for it. So what you're doing is fantastic. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, just kick against the pricks and, you know, literally.
1: <laughs> oh, no, it was, it was good. I, it was funny because it was really, um, So so since I have had, even when I was pregnant, I was really struggling with my mental health during pregnancy as well. And um, I kind of lost because I bought into a a sales pitch that I shouldn't buy into, but it's really hard because I didn't realize how ingrained it was until I was facing it. But essentially it's been ingrained into me that in my industry, you can't be a mom and be successful. Like you kind of got to like get it out while you're in your twenties and you're cute and hot and whatever Mm -hmm. and then after that it's like you know you're out to pasture and so when I was pregnant I was quite depressed because I felt like I was losing my career and I was losing myself and I was losing my identity and everything I was then I had the baby and I did lose (laughs) it all went into a big pile of mush and um uh Oh, I lost the point. Damn. That's okay. I got to make notes while I'm no, doing right. this.
0: But you were talking about how, you know, you're, you're, you're in your industry, you're not allowed to be a mom. You're not allowed to have that time to be you and to, you know, have a child and work all that out because it's looked on negatively. Yeah. You? you chose to take that
1: time oh right so okay so I lost my mojo thank mm. you you're so helpful <laughs> I lost my mojo see I also lost my brain baby yeah. brain is real yeah, um, yeah so I, I had no pizzazz because I was like this huge pregnant person and I'm like okay and so I'm supposed to perform and and energetically speaking I could not project the way I wanted to I couldn't move the way I wanted to because the pregnant body is just so different than mm-hmm. my body Yeah. and it and hormonally
0: you're a totally different person
1: uh, yeah it's crazy and so I kind of, yeah, I lost all my pizzazz. And so when they came back and they were like, oh, you know, guilt, guilt, shame, shame, whatever. Because what I write is, of course, on behalf of myself, but what, I, what I'm what i doing when I write is I'm trying to reach the people to make it safe for them to be who they are, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I know that my people are out there. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to like shine my like little torch and be like, hey, I'm over here and mm-hmm. I'm like representing our crew. So come yeah. and meet me. Yeah. So when she was saying all those things and all those people were glomming onto it, I'm like, you're not saying those about me. You're saying those about my people. You're saying those about my friends. And so I'm like, (laughs) I just, I I felt fire and ambition. And like, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to talk about this more then because this, you're not supposed to make my people feel shame about what they're going through. And you're not supposed to, like, I'm not going to let you. Um, make anyone feel bad about making fun of a situation or calling their kid a fleshy ball of uh, or a squishy ball of flesh, which I didn't even think was an insulting. I thought it was funny and endearing. But whatever.
0: Hey, my son was 26 <laughs> pounds at six weeks.
1: Oh my god,
0: He really? was a squishy ball of flesh. He would have been. A he squishy looked like b- a tiny booty and He could barely open his eyes. Oh my so, gosh. Yes, that's a very very correct statement.
1: Okay, <laughs> hey, so see, it's just accurate, people. It's yeah. not insulting. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so I I was just, I was, it just lit me up. I was like, well, I guess I got to keep talking about it because something's right here, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah,
0: that's fascinating. You know what? Um, I, uh, so I have three sons and we, with my ex-wife, we we got a midwife right off the bat. You know, we had all three kids at home and with the. What was
1: that like? Like, was it cool or like. To
0: have the kid at home?
1: Well, I had my kid at home, so I like to yeah. hear other people's stories. You
0: know, ours, um, of course, I remember, so this is 20 years ago. hmm Okay. So then it would be weirder. So, yeah, yeah, super weird. Okay. We lived in Victoria. Right. So you'd think, oh, it wouldn't be that weird.
1: I w- we would think that, yes. But it
0: was still even weird back then. Right. So...
1: Because you can still say midwife and people look at you like you're going to birth your baby in the barn. like, yeah, or, And I'm like, no, like, she's a medical professional. She or, knows what she's doing.
0: Yeah, Or you're choosing to have your child die at home.
1: Right? Yeah. You know, what is like, with that's that? What, that's
0: what people think. And I'm like, we did it for millions of years and it worked. <laughs> and it's just, you know, just in the last 100, 150 years, we, not even, we stopped using midwives. hmm And, uh, you know, what's fascinating, there's this book I read. hmm Prior to my wife, my ex getting pregnant, and it was all about midwifery and women's health and that whole process, and just how again toxic the approach was to women, and um, and then when they took that away from women, you know, midwifery and and at home births, uh, the rate of deaths, you know, like child mortality, just went just plummeted because they were killing these babies in the hospitals mm-hmm. because they weren't washing their hands. And midwives knew how to do this for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. But in these hospitals, these men mm-hmm. weren't doing it. And they were killing the mothers and the babies you know, just making it this medical extraction rather than
2: Mm
1: -hmm. this
0: natural thing that happens.
1: Well do you know what I learned? It's like so you know the you see it in all the movies of how the woman's laying on the bed and and do you know why they put them that way? It's so the doctor could see better. It's not an effective labor position. It's It's so the doctor can see. And it's like why? But that doesn't make any sense. Yeah.
0: So anyway, so my ex she decided to um, you know, we did an own home pregnancy test. We thought, okay, we'll go to a walk-in Clinic and confirm it. And so she went in, and I waited out in the car, and because <laughs> uh, she she just wanted to go in on her own. And when she she came out in tears because they confirmed the pregnancy, but then she asked the physician. She said, um, "Can you recommend a midwife, or what do I have to do to to work with a midwife?" And he tore into her about how selfish and irresponsible she was to even consider having a midwife and how dangerous it is for your child and all of this. Of course, he didn't know my ex-wife. Yeah, she got really sad and she cried, but it just pissed her off. Mm-hmm. And so she knew for sure she was getting a midwife at that point. Like, I had read all these things, so I was like, you know, if you want to do this, you know, I'd suggest it. I think it would be a great thing for you and, mm-hmm. you know, have a natural birth and do it at home and just what it does for a woman's self-esteem to, you know, have that experience that's about her Mm -hmm. and overcoming and getting through something like that.
1: It is pretty epic. Yeah.
0: And so she we got a midwife. It was really nice. You know, the only thing, uh, you know, it went through really nicely. We ended up having it at home. We had great midwives. Um, You know, I set up the the pool. (laughs) She never went in it. (laughs) She spent most of the time just, (laughs) just hanging off my neck. Yeah. And shoulders, like my neck was in spasms all night later, but she just kind of stood and squatted. Yeah. Anyway, it was a great birth, went really well. It was really nice. And, um, but after about two days, she kind of had this shift Mm -hmm. and she was not in a good place. And I had set up, uh, luckily, all my courses that semester where they were all online other than I had one, one night a week that I had to go in uh, to do. So I had lots of time to be there to support her. And I'm glad that worked out because she she just was terrified to be alone with the baby. Mm-hmm. And very early on, she said to me, and again, I'm grateful that she was able to express this to me and felt free that she could, but she's just like, you know, I'm just in this dark place. Um, you know, I don't want to hurt our baby but if someone took him, I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And initially you're thinking, you know, there's that part of your, that little part of your brain that wants to judge her and say, what a terrible person, what a terrible for mom, sure. you know, all of this. But then I'm like, this isn't coming from a, a mean place. This is coming from like, a, this is a cry for help.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I'm like, okay, we got this. I got the baby, you know, all you got to do is breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And I'll take care of everything else. And, you know, I had family helping out. So whenever I went to that class, I had someone at the house with them. And it worked out great. Mm-hmm. You know, like for six months, I was able to be there and, you know, help her with everything. And it made a world of difference because eventually it was just, just, just as quickly as she kind of snapped into that dark place, she snapped out. Mm-hmm. And she's just like... Oh, I feel so much better, you know, and and she was, uh, she's a great mom. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she um, had to kind of go through that. And, you know, I can't imagine if you didn't feel free to express that Mm -hmm. and to be trapped in your mind with these feelings and thoughts and you couldn't talk to anyone about it.
1: Well, and just think about when postpartum depression didn't have a name, like it didn't Mm -hmm. have a diagnosis. Like I just think about, like all I thought about when I was in my PPD experience was there were people in like the forties and fifties that had babies and their husbands were like, you know, patriarch and peace out. I'm going to work. And they would have just had to deal with it. And I'm just like, Whoa, that's such a trip. And like, and even not even that long ago, I had people comment, And this is a part of, like, what I mean when I'm writing this stuff is that I hope what it does, too, is it validates some of these people that didn't have a name for their experience and and maybe retroactively they can go back and heal some of those wounds just Mm -hmm. by going, like, yes, this is a thing and thank you. This is a conversation that should have been had, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Mm And so, yeah, I just—it it just blows my mind. And so, I think right now, and this is my feelings on the world right now is, I actually think we're really good about talking about mental health. I think I just think we just got to keep doing it. Yeah, and it's just like. It's just like positive body image and it's and and multiculturalism and, and everything. It's just like, yeah, keep the conversations going. We're doing a good job and keep it going because, of course, we can get better. And that's what humans should do is we should evolve and we should get better. And there should be a point where we look back in our history and we look back at 2005, 2010, and we go, oh, God, what were we doing? There's going to be things that we did now that were equal to segregation in, you know, the 60s and 70s and, you know, like... Of course, there will be, but we're still moving forward. And so I think it's just a matter of of just persevering through some of the yuckiness to keep keep evolving.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, uh, you know, uh, but maybe a year or so ago I had one patient come in, you know, young mom, her daughters, um, you know, she suffered from postpartum for the first year or so, maybe two, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a year, year and a half. And then um, their little one had all these autoimmune issues, always sick, you know, cold, sinus, all this. And,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, she came in first, I think, to bring her daughter. So we bounced her back. She was doing better within like three visits. But, uh, you know, I, I recognize that, Mom, you should be here too. And we talked about her postpartum and it was brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't have the supports. She got super judged by the in-laws. Um, Just no, very little compassion, you know, and supports externally. And so she just felt like she couldn't share or talk about it. And, um, you know, she's like, I'm never having kids again. And once her daughter was like healthy and kind of hit that toddler stage, she's like this amazing kid that is so easy to raise. And so she's like, Oh, you know, and you kind of forget those things. And she's like, oh, I think, you know, we already have another one. Then she got pregnant and then she had that shift in hormones. She came in one day. She goes, oh, what the fuck did I do?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it
0: all comes flooding, flooding back into her head of, oh, I've got to go through that again. This is going to be terrifying. And I'm like, but, you know, we're going to help you. We're going to help you stay balanced. We're kind of going to work through this, you know, get you the treatments you need. You need to. Reach out for more help. You need to get a little more support from your husband, you know, all these things. And she's doing so much better this time. You know, I can't, baby's like eight, nine months old. And she's just like, you know, uh, she has this in her mind that this baby it, you know, once it's a toddler is going to be perfect, like her daughter, and it's going to be so much easier. And I'm like, well, I can't guarantee that, but, but you know, you're doing way better. So good yeah. for you. <laughs> but these are like multiple stories. And, Whether or not, again, I think, like you said, some women, they have experienced this, but because they can't talk about it or they're ashamed, they bury it and don't think about it. And there's this like deep-seated shame that I think some women hold on to from those thoughts and feelings, you know, during postpartum. And if they don't hear that it's okay and it's valid and you're not a bad person for it, I would imagine it would affect their psyche over a long period of time holding that onto
1: that. Most probably, like any other, you know, bullshit that we tell ourselves over at any stage of our life that we hold on to, it's it's it affects everything unless you choose to acknowledge it and not let it affect. So, I think I think that that can be a serious trigger for like mom guilt and mom shaming, which is like a whole other conversation I could have, but. Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely think it can weasel in there. I also think you doesn't have to too. Like I don't I don't kind of believe there's anything that's like permanent. So, because I. And maybe I just choose that because that makes me feel better about the fact that, oh, God, okay, I went through this postpartum depression period. And I like the way you said that about your ex, where it's like you snapped in, and you snapped out. Mm-hmm. And because that was the same for me. It was just kind of like crash. Like it was just, it hit and it hit hard and I was mm-hmm. gone. And there was, and then I was just gone. Yeah. And then when I was back, I was back. I, I came back a little slower, um like, but I snapped back to about halfway pretty quick. And then I slowly built back up. Um, but I'm terrified to snap back because I've heard that, too, is that you can like get somewhere and be like, oh, I'm great. And then just – anyway, yeah. so I'm try- trying to be receptive to anything that happens. But at the moment, I feel really great, and I'm thankful for that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, yeah, the – like, I think um, – Whatever you dis- whatever you go through, and I, I think this is in any phase in life, this is postpartum or not, um, you can bleed and leak onto your kids, and no matter what you've been through, it, yeah. it's going to leak onto your kids. And I think we have to not get too weird about that because it's just like it, this is, I have decided that the only way to raise a a, a little human being perfectly is to be a god. Mm-hmm. This is not a task that humans can actually accomplish. Because yeah. no matter what, no, but seriously, you fuck it up. Because yeah. either you are, like, letting them cry it out and and get independence and kind of, like, sort their stuff out on their own and, and that – or you're you're comforting them and giving them secure attachment but both of those come with like okay but this is neglectful they might have abandonment issues and then the other way it might get attachment issues and not be able to do anything independently and get codependent issues like mm-hmm. there is no way not to fuck it up like you no. are going to fuck it up no matter yeah. what you do
0: and and they're they're always going to have issues or there's going to be things they're holding on to but what's important then is you know all our trauma is dependent on our perception of the experience. So as, as long as you're showing lots of love and support, doesn't matter what decision you make in that, as they grow and you allow them to express their feelings and kind of, you know, work it and let it go. Kids are incredibly resilient and will work through it and it won't be an issue. You know, um, you know, like kids don't have any memory of that. All they remember is how much they they're loved. And even if you make choices that you think, oh, well, that's kind of a little abandoning or, you know, they're crying it out in their room, whatever. That child knows that they're loved and that's what they're going to remember. They don't remember you leaving them in the room crying, you know, but they know that mom loves them and they're, they're always there and they always feel safe around mom. And if mom needs that break and mom needs them to cry it out to go to sleep, to feel balanced so that the next day she has that love to continue to share... Then that's the right decision, and that's going to be different for everyone. And sometimes you're going to do things that may appear to be the the wrong decision, but it's what's right for you and your kid at that moment is most of the time pretty dang good. And we got to stop trying to figure out the because there's no perfect path.
1: No, there isn't that, and that's like that's kind of what I'm getting at is like okay, so just to be provocative and devil's advocate, it's like if you. Um, say you do, your kid does remember like the thing, I'm, I'm being scary now, I'm being scary mommy, be careful, don't listen to me because I might trigger you. So, but it, like your kid does remember that and that was traumatic for them. And but I feel like what with what you said, the best thing you can do is like, well, that's what I had to do because I'm a human being. I have a limitation. That mm-hmm. was my limitation. Yeah. So I had to give you that traumatizing experience. So maybe what I can do is show up for you and help you digest your traumatizing mm-hmm. experience because you're going to have them for yeah. sure. The kid is going to be like, you didn't do this. You weren't enough of that. It's going to happen for sure. But that's the humaning part. And then hopefully then what we're doing a better job of is navigating is like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm not like I'm a human, too. And I make mistakes, so please tell me how I could show up for you better. What would you prefer? How can mm-hmm. I help you heal that? Or, you know, kind of like coming in with that. So it's going like, yeah, you're going to leak all your shit onto your kid, and your kid's going to get messed up. And that's totally okay, because I'm messed up, and you're messed up, and we're all messed up. And this is where we go back full circle to opening the light on the shadows, because we're all screwed up. Mm-hmm. And it's a glorious, vicious cycle, because the only person that could raise a kid and not screwed up is the gods and goddesses.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, and the key thing I think you said in there is, you know, when you're honest and you apologize and you help them through it. Because one of the most important things we can do for our children is to apologize and just say, hey, you know, I know that was difficult. I divorced your mom. How do you feel about it? You know, this is this is why. This is what we're working for. I'm mm-hmm. sorry if it hurt you or you had difficulties with it, but how are you feeling now? Welcome. We do go through it. When I mess up with my kids, when I, you know, like I'm, like I think the time between um, my, or, you know, the divorce and, uh, you know, there's about two or three years there. I think where I was, you know, where I didn't see my kids as so often, and so every time we'd have time, I would plan these like. Big things and, and what we wanted to do. And if it didn't work out exactly the way I wanted or how I pictured it to have this amazing memory for my kids, it would irritate me and I'd get angry. And then I would lose it and I would yell. And I would just feel so shitty. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, once I settled, the first thing I did was I always apologized to my boys. Mm-hmm. I said, that was a shitty thing for me to do. I'm sorry, guys. That was my fault. It was just me and i explained why i felt that way and that that's not the right way to do it but it happens sometimes and then they learn that i'm you know just as weak as they are and that i'm trying to do my best and that i'm honest and i'm you know so that when they have difficulties like that and they freak out it's just then they know the model Okay, yeah, I did this, but I just have to apologize, and they're going to love me, and we're going to work through this. And because I can show that and model that behavior, my boys are really good at that. Mm-hmm. And they know that no matter what, we can always forgive each other, and we're going to move forward and try to make things the best. But if you don't you know, teach that to your children, then they have this perfection complex and, like, all these people commenting on your thing, like, no, no, this is supposed to be this perfect, beautiful thing, so I'm going to convince myself that it is, ignore my feelings, and tell everyone that it's perfect. Mm. <laughs> it's it's not fun.
1: No, well, I, I have this theory, too, because people, I, I've had people who are advocating for me and, and being on my side with, with these things, and they're like, everyone goes through what you went through. And I'm like, I don't know that everyone does. and And I'm just saying, like... I do. I believe that there are people who give birth to their baby and they do that magical imprint thing and then and they love that newborn experience. I believe that there are people Th- there are, yeah. that go through that. And I believe there are people that when I write what I write, they have no idea what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I believe that those people exist too. I also believe that those people, whatever phase that their kids are in, I think they will also meet a phase with their children where they will go through that at some yeah. point. And it those just are might usually be- the ones
0: that have a char- hard time when they're teenagers.
1: <laughs> well well possibly but that's what I'm talking about it's like well maybe it didn't show up for you in the newborn stage maybe it's going to show up when they're 7 or when they're 13 or Mm -hmm. when they're 18 or when they're 40 like it's just you but you're going to have a time with your kid where you're like I don't don't get what's happening right now (laughs) like there's going to be there's going to be a hurdle Mm -hmm. and so it's like you know again it's just it's just like encouraging people to lean into compassion and go hmm I don't understand this how could I understand it more or you know something and then kind of base like I'm now going back to something you said but I do also think accountability will save the world. Mm-hmm. Like we we deal with like things like bullying and actually I think I actually called them out on that. Oh, I did in the article. I called them out. It's like how are you going to teach your kid about bullying when you're a bully? Like yeah. it's like how are you supposed to And so we we teach about how to stand up to bullies and how to call out bullies and it's like but what about when we're the bully because everyone has been a bully. But how many stories yeah. have you been where someone said, I was a bully in high school versus how many have you heard that said, I was bullied in high school? Everyone mm. talks about being bullied in high yeah. school, but there's no bullies.
0: Yeah. I so, was a bully
1: at times. I was a bully? Yeah. Like, it, every I was horrible to my brother. <laughs> like, <laughs> worst sister <laughs> and, ever. And it shows. Right? It shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just easy. <teasing>. It's <laughs> so, poor, traumatized kid. Um <laughs> It, I just feel like if, and I have gone back with my brother and said, you know, when this happened, like that was super crappy. I'm sorry yeah. about that. And, and there's even been times now where I can default, I can feel it. I'll go back into like, we'll regress 20 years and I'll just all of a sudden be picking on him. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this isn't cool. Yeah. So... I just feel like if we can and it's ugly though. It's ugly when we have to call out our crappy behavior or and especially when it's something as unattractive as like bullying or rage or like I feel like depression and sadness are almost easier because they get compassion. Like when you're sad, mm-hmm. someone's like, Oh, let me help you. Yeah. But when you're angry, no one's sitting there going, what do you need?
2: Yeah. Like
1: they're sitting there just going. Like, judgment. Yeah, they're yeah. flipping you the bird and going, mm-hmm. screw you. It doesn't invoke a compassionate response, mm-hmm. but it needs, it needs compassion too. Yeah. And I mean, I also think rage can get really unhealthy. So, of course, there's lines and boundaries there, blah, blah, blah. We could get a whole other conversation about that. But just generally speaking, it's just having a bit more understanding for what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. When they're having a reaction that's intimidating,
0: yeah, yeah, you know, I I love that how you're saying that need to be more, You know, all of us need to be a little bit more accountable for our words and our actions so that we can help each other grow. I think when uh, you know, there's certain acceptable behaviors that are bullying and harmful that our culture just accepts, and so everyone kind of fits into that, and they don't see that their actions are harmful. Because, well, those are accepted, mm-hmm. bullying or, you know, the things I say or whatever. Uh, but over time, you know, like I've mentioned this on a couple of podcasts that, you know, our morality evolves. and It's separate from religions, you know, because our morality evolves faster than religions do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, for instance, we always thought it was okay to beat wives. It's in the scriptures that it's okay.
1: Yeah, as long as it's no bigger than your thumb. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Whereas now we're just like, no, that's not acceptable at all, <laughs> and
1: uh, not even smaller than your thumb.
0: Yeah. Then <laughs> it's just uh, it's just wild that we, you know, uh, still hold on to those old traditions and patterns, as although that should never change and that's always acceptable, but no. We as humans continually evolve and we need to adapt our feelings and our beliefs and our actions to fit what helps our community best rather than going back to some old, you know, like those statements that people say, oh, things used to be better. And I'm like, okay, you think it was better for that one thing. But have you thought about how, you know, if we went back 50 years ago, how's that for women? How's that for blacks? How's that for niggas? Seriously,
1: natives? I was driving in a taxi. Where was I? I was in LA, and I was driving with my Uber driver, who was a black man, and we were talking about about make America great again. And mm. I'm like, I feel like if you go backwards, it wasn't better for you or me. Like, <laughs> like, so what is this great again thing? And yeah. it's like economically, okay, at what cost? Yeah. I, I mean, like I, I, I agree, believe in a healthy economy. Now I'm getting down a really bad political hole here. But anyway. <laughs> I got to do is just
0: listen to what Michelle was talking about last night. Oh, Don't okay, worry. Okay. We've gone way over on the whole politics <laughs> stuff. So you're welcome to say what I feel like.
1: well, thankfully. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, I believe in a healthy, the economy I do like I really really do uh, the, what is it my mom gave me this book called the purple people or there should be more purple people and it's basically like kind of making a play on like the red and the blue and the democrat and Mm -hmm. and, and saying purple people and i like i kind of feel like i'm a purple person because it's like yeah i see some this stuff and i want to pull from here and i want to pull from here i don't want you to put me over here or over there like Mm -hmm. i want to like blend and i do feel like that's part of the evolving is is that we we get in like humans are confused by duality right we're Mm -hmm. confused because we feel like we have to pick between this or this Mm -hmm. when both of these can coexist and that's such an important thing to know and be aware of even during depression is going because I was sitting there going how can I feel this way When I have a super supportive, amazing husband, I have family, I have friends, I got people coming out the wazoo that would like drop everything to come and help me. I'm a very blessed person. I have a roof over my head. I do not at this time have financial difficulties. Like I have everything I need, Mm -hmm. everything I need. Why do I feel like this? This doesn't make any sense and it's sitting there and I'd sit there and be like I'm so grateful because I have my husband so how can I be grateful and I can be depressed I can Yeah. I can be grateful yeah. and I can be depressed mm-hmm. and I can experience horrible horrible anguish and experience really wonderful with wonderful blessings like these can coexist and I think that as soon as like humans evolve to understand and embrace paradoxical concepts we will start to like see a really big shift yeah And then maybe we'll get, you know, more purple people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. Well, it's the same like, you know, with emotionally, we have this extreme that, you know, like right now, there's only two emotions that people think they can feel. Either happiness on one extreme or depression on the other. Mm -hmm. And people think you only flip between the two of those. So if you're not completely happy, then you must be depressed. And that's all they kind of accept. Where our... One thing that I hope, and I talk about in my course, to encourage people to have a gradient of emotion.
1: We're both hand talkers. This yeah, so we keep <laughs> hitting our
0: mics here. But this idea that, you know, like I, I talked to my son about this too, and I was like, you know, when you're having a rough day, I want you to give it a name, you know, to that. Because it's, you know, you're not depressed today, and you're not happy. So... Where are you on that scale? Let's give it 10 names mm-hmm. on the scale of emotion so that you can realize that things do change each day. Well, today I'm not depressed. I'm a little melancholy. Or I feel a little frustrated today. Or I'm feeling a little stuck. Or whatever it is. So that you're not always saying, I'm just depressed. Mm-hmm. Because you aren't an emotion. You know? Oh, I'm, de- I'm a depressed person. I'm an angry person. I'm this. No, no. You, that, that emotion does not define you. You know, because emotions are a signal of perceived imbalance. So when you feel an emotion, your brain predicts based off what's happening and tells you, okay, well, when these things happen, you usually feel this way. So it gives you that emotion to tell you to predict, you know, kind of give you an idea on how you think you should respond to this situation. So it gives you that emotion, and that is just a signal to show you how you're perceiving this situation. You have a choice with that signal. Am I going to buy into it? Do I believe it? Um, Or is it unnecessary? You know, is is it something that I choose not to, you know, it's not necessary right now. Do I need to be angry about that? Well, maybe, maybe not. And then, so we have this emotion and we think, well, I have to either be angry or I have to repress it. And neither help us because these emotions don't particularly, you know, like expressing emotion doesn't necessarily get anything done. we're stuck in that emotion and repressing them that just makes us sick you know internally and, and mm-hmm. in our mind. you know so with every extreme emotion there's that that synergistic expression and anger self-assertion. so you're standing up for yourself you know so you're taking that energy and you're turning it into action And if we can understand these con what, what emotions are really for and how they work that way, then rather than getting stuck in these emotions and you know doing it it's like okay, your body and mind are telling you how you're, how you're seeing this situation. What are you going to do about it? And so we have to take those steps to kind of release this energy. And for you, you're an incredibly creative person. So to be able to take that energy in, and, you know, turn it into something so you can, like, share it and help and support and kind of stand up for yourself, you know, that helps you release that emotion. In a, in a healthy, positive way to make change, but also to help you feel lighter and to let it go and to be more in the moment. Mm-hmm. And what a beautiful way to do it. You know, it, you know, it, it helps that you've had lots of practice <laughs> in finding those creative ways to let it go mm-hmm. um, with your music, with your writing, all of those things. But all of us, when we're feeling like, like an emotion is too much, because emotions aren't these external things that control us. They are just a signal And they provide us that energy to make change. Mm -hmm. And so by acting on it in in what I believe is a very healthy way in the way you did Mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, the writing that article and now responding (laughs) with self-assertion and standing up for yourself. It's just healthy ways.
2: You
1: know, Mm -hmm.
0: do do you feel you you find that where you when you get stuck being creative is that tool to help you?
1: Yeah, the, the whole visual I got while you were talking, it was just really cool, so I'm just going to share it. Mm-hmm. But it is, I was, like, seeing it as, like, like emotion as, like, an electric current. Mm-hmm. And so we can either, like, stifle it, which just means you're, like, buzzing and you're yes. basically self-electrocuting. Mm-hmm. Or you can direct it and electrocute someone else. Yeah. Or you can channel it and yeah. you can put it, invest it into something, mm-hmm. and then you've got light bulbs. Yeah. So it's, like, that to me is, like, healthy outlets. You're is lighting
0: the way for others. Oh, yeah. oh,
1: my gosh, we're just coming full circle on this. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, it was funny with postpartum depression and and I didn't actually know that. So, okay, I kind of wish I had a bit more postpartum depression uh, education Mm because I assumed it was depression in the postpartum period. I didn't realize that there was all these other symptoms, which I'm not going to lie to you, I can't even remember right now. Mm-hmm. But I had this full checklist of symptoms when I actually did search it at one point. And it was like stuff like I couldn't make a decision. Like if my husband were to be like, do you want spearmint gum or peppermint gum? I'd be like, I have no idea. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, mm-hmm. I have And I'd get overwhelmed by that choice. Yeah, And I would get overwhelmed actually very easily. Like I remember my son didn't cry all day and he started crying and it was like, maybe 2 or 3 minutes and i was like i can't handle this i have to leave i can't mm-hmm. do this mm-hmm. and it's like well it's 3 minutes of crying like it's really not a big deal and so my brain is sitting there like trying to make sense of stuff and Anyways, there was all these symptoms and those are like a couple but there was I couldn't focus and I um I actually did I went to go write stuff down I couldn't even write it was weird I was like I had no brain it was mm-hmm. the most it's so hard to explain. I started texts to people to try to explain that I wasn't doing well and I was like oh, I don't know what I'm feeling though. I just I'm not doing well but I don't know what I'm going to say when they ask me how they can help I don't know I don't know Mm -hmm. what I am going to talk about I couldn't talk Um, the best thing I did actually was I went to an intuitive and all I had to do was sit there and say yes and no because she was like okay are you finding that this is happening or you're noticing this or you're struggling with that and I was just sitting there like Oh, thanks for putting words to all this because yeah. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cathartic, actually, it was just like having someone kind of talk for me, talk my stuff out because I couldn't do it. I couldn't write it out, I couldn't sing it out. Singing made me cry because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, in that mindset of my career's over and I'm all washed mm-hmm. up. So singing was just a trigger for me at the time yeah. and I refused to do it. I wouldn't. And Britton was like, You should sing to our son. And I'm like, mm, Nope, I can't. Yeah. I can't do it. And so I'd sing like I'm a little teapot or something stupid, but I would not sing, sing to to him. And that one I'm still actually struggling with to get it back, but it's coming slowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's directing it into the light bulbs. Is, I yeah. guess there. I digressed off my point.
0: Hmm. If it comes back, let me know. Um, but it's interesting too, like you know. So from a, you know a, a chemical point of view, when we're dealing with uh, postpartum depression. There is, and I'm I'm sorry, everyone. I can't remember what it is right now, but there's a compound that the body provides um, for us that ha- really affects our um, mental health and our, our well being and everything, and you know where our brains at. And it is uh, produced normally um, through our body, uh, you know, most of our lives, but during pregnancy, that compound uh, that is sent to you and your hormones and brains to get balance uh, in the last six weeks is going straight to the placenta. And so there's a reserve in our body that uh, depending on how much is in there or how well that reserve is, it can last um, usually long enough that we, ha- we can work on that reserve until the body starts replacing it and builds it back up. But uh, if there's a lot of bleeding or you know you're kind of deficient in that to begin with, then when you give birth, then you don't have enough of that afterwards mm-hmm. to balance your hormones and, and, you know, feed the brain. And they believe that's what maybe chemically causes postpartum. Mm. So traditionally, like if you look at animals, what's the one thing animals do right after birth?
1: Eat their placenta.
0: They eat the placenta. Because it has those compounds in it. Mm-hmm. that they So it's been, you know, sent to that. And so the idea is, okay, that replenishes the body right away. In Chinese medicine, um, what they do is they take the placenta and they dry it and grind it into uh, powder that's either used as tea or herbs for that first six weeks to prevent Mm -hmm. this. So we're getting that back in the system. Now, not a lot of people are too excited about, you know, basically eating their placenta. But... um, I speak to
1: my community. I actually know quite a few people. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) We did that to, you know... With our kids, mm-hmm. and uh, um, we didn't do it the first time mm-hmm. because I didn't know much about it because I was, you know, uh, I wasn't uh, in Chinese medicine at mm-hmm. that time. But for our next couple, that's what we did, and I believe it made quite a difference.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I'm not saying everyone has to go out and do this, but to understand that, you know, it is not just an emotional thing, but it's an actual physical thing depletion in Mm -hmm. the body and that's why you can't think straight your memory you're indecisive there's this deficiency in the liver and those enzymes and it's causing this imbalance so it's you know it's not in your head people (laughs) this is very real and it is happening and uh you're not a bad person if it happens Mm -hmm. and even if you do all the right things it still might happen so you have to be very patient and forgiving with yourself and uh, reach out for help Yeah. Um, You know, to even say that uh, someone is bad for their experience and their their difficulties is just unkind. You know, it doesn't help anyone. Uh,
1: Well, it helps them feel better. Mm -hmm. So, there you go. (laughs) I'll sacrifice myself for the cause. It's fine. Yeah.
0: So, what tools are you using currently to help you...
1: Oh, I have a plethora now, which is so exciting. I've got to, like, pull out the big guns with this one. So I have a prescription uh, from the doctor, which I'm taking a lot less now, which is awesome. Um, The support groups have been super, super helpful. Those online Facebook support groups are my favorite resource, actually. And uh, the other, my other favorite resource was was therapy, like talking to to a counselor, and she was so helpful. I have the best therapist in the whole wide world, so she was awesome. And then, do you want to plug her? Oh yeah, <laughs> I could. I don't know if she's taking people right now, but yeah. her name's Tracy Sutton. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. And um, and then, like I mentioned to you, I saw a friend. She's an energy worker, and she's an intuitive. And of course, I'm going through all this during like isolation locked. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm, I couldn't utilize yeah. a lot of resources. Like I probably would have come and seen you. I felt terrible
0: because both Chris and I were like, Tanya is being really quiet. <laughs> is Tanya okay? Where'd she, she go? She's going to be all right. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, you know, for me, it's so hard when I, I can't be there for my patients and I'm locked up at home. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, part of me even was just like, i reach out what can i do for her
1: i know you right know? it was a really like, weird time yeah, so hard and so yeah it was it was funny so a lot of those resources so i was just lucky because that intuitive energy to work worker and i'll plug her too but she's a friend of mine and so that was sort of like hey man i'm kind of i need some help would mm-hmm. you take me yeah. like i'm healthy and i've been in isolation for this long yeah. and all this stuff so she took me and her name's melanie dawn do you know
0: her it sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, she's
1: she's a yoga te- teacher locally, and she's doing more oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, intuitive work. Mm-hmm. She kind of, she operates, I it, she calls it Reiki, but I don't, and the only reason is, because <laughs> I've had Reiki a few times, and it just does nothing for me, but her, it's like, it's it's a weirdly cool experience, yeah. and it's very very like she. So she physically touches you, and she talks you through stuff at the same mm-hmm. time. And it's just it's a really cool. Combination. That sounds like Hakomi. It's it's similar Hakomi psychotherapy. Yeah, not yeah. quite Hakomi. I do have a friend with Hakomi too, and I ended up mm-hmm. seeing her later. But that happened to happen much later because yeah. that the massa- she does massage. she's massaged too, and she was later, and when yeah. things were reopening. But um, it's. It's Hakomi-ish, but it's not technically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's it was... She's unreal, so Lovely. I highly recommend her. And I think you can find her at Mm-hmm. That's
0: fantastic. You know, we'll have to have you back in because I want to talk about suicide with you.
1: Oh, yeah, let's do it.
0: Because I have lots of opinions on that.
1: So do I. And, and... I have jokes that people don't like. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, really, you know, if you really want to talk about, like, you know, discussions in mental health in general are something that we need to ha- talk about and how much they help. But I do believe suicide, we need to talk about it even more.
1: Oh, way more.
0: Because, you know, of course, my opinion, and I'll just drop this mm-hmm. so that, you know, in a few months we can think about this. Yeah, it's going to percolate. love to bring you back in and talk <laughs> about this because it's, it's a discussion that we need to have in that... I honestly feel that suicide should be legalized. And my purpose for this is I do think we need to set up centers where if you, you know, because getting in that dark place, like there is a high percentage of people that ponder suicide, Mm -hmm. that think about it, think of it as an option, you know. And then there's that other, you know, a smaller percentage that actually think about what to do Mm -hmm. to commit suicide. And then there's those that get in this, like, dark window. And it is anywhere from, like, 6 to 18 hours,
2: mm-hmm. this
0: dark window that people get into. And if they've had a rough day and there's, you know, implements available, they will go to that place.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I have had patients come in, sit down, and tell me, I want to kill myself today. And luckily, there's a treatment within Chinese medicine that takes me two and a half minutes to pull them out of that dark space. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still they don't want to do it anymore. They still might consider it or think about it, but that's a different level entirely. It is, yeah. But if we could take away the stigma and provide somewhere where someone could go and they check themselves in and they say, I'm in this really dark place. I want to end my life. And uh, you know, and if we are a truly compassionate society, we would have this available and we'd say, All right, sweetheart, come here. Um, we need you to fill out this paperwork. Um, we need you to do these counseling sessions. We need you to contact a, uh, you know, like they can't necessarily come and harass you, but we put them up for like whether that's 48 hours or 72 hours. Mm-hmm. And they're loved and supported and, you know, given some things. And at the end of those 72 hours, if they choose to kill themselves, you know, they, if they want to take their life, then someone is there to love and support and do it in a nonviolent way mm-hmm. to to guide them out of life Mm -hmm. because to me we are so compassionate when it comes to our animals that when they are suffering and end of life we're totally fine with you know uh, guiding them out of this life in a very compassionate loving way Mm -hmm. but we refuse to do this with humans Mm -hmm. and the percentage of people that would actually choose suicide after all of that support and love is so low Mm
1: -hmm. Well, it's, it's like you said even getting them out of that window yeah
0: and I think if we could get to that place, we would save so many lives, mm-hmm. and we would change that that narrative and that experience with suicide, and we would be a much more compassionate society in general. You know, we got to take away this idea that this is a sin and that this is, like, this terrible thing. You know, we have to get a better understanding of what brings people to that place mm-hmm. and what it feels like and what happens. We need to research it. We need to be open about it. And, uh then we could truly help people. But just not discussing it and making this terrible thing is incredibly harmful. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we can support people in that way, we could learn so much and save save so many more lives. So that's my... I'll drop that on you. Cool. Okay, cool. I need to go home with that. We can think about that <laughs> and we'll come back <laughs> in, a, in a few months here. Have a discussion again on that because Deal. I I think um, it's uh, something we need to consider as a culture. Definitely. So... Everyone can you know, send me nasty comments yeah, about that later. The Suicide
1: later. Center yeah. by Jared McCollum.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it is... You want to talk about provocative. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Let's drop all that stuff out there. <laughs> you know, they'd never let me write in the paper, but if they did...
1: <laughs> they wouldn't. And you know what? It's probably a good choice. <laughs> Thanks.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Anything else you want to share before we, you know, cut no. out here? Any thought that was trailing that I interrupted on? And
1: No, nope, There.
0: Yeah. yeah. We'll put all your information <laughs> in uh, below. And, um, yeah, you know, uh, if you want to have a little bit of fun, <laughs> definitely check out the Western Wheel on, what is that, the 3rd? Week or the second I, week every month. I think usually the second week. Second yeah. week every month. And the, uh, uh, what do they call that? Uh,
1: opinion column.
0: Opinion column. Mm-hmm. And uh, tenureline.ca, follow her on Instagram. We'll put all that information in. Go listen to her music on Spotify. I'll put those links in as well.
1: Oh, gosh, so you're going to link them uh, out.
0: I am. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I did uh, Madison's and I had to put in like 12 links <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I'm sure you have just as many. Everybody and I even left some it. out. <laughs> yeah. Just leave some out. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. There's lots there.
0: Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we talked with Madison about the power of music and how, you know, in, in times it uh, can define our emotions and support our emotions and help us heal. And, uh, you've got some beautiful music out there. Oh, yeah. Thanks. And, uh, uh, one of my favorite songs, we I, I don't even know if it's too explicit even for this podcast, but
1: wow, that's heavy <laughs> duty. One of your favorites,
0: oh. I don't know, give me the D. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> what, I, I thought you are talking about one of your favorite songs in general, oh, but no. it's one of my songs. No, of yours. Oh. <laughs> I'm honored. I'm honored you have a favorite song. And yes, that is nicely explicit, isn't it? I get all the, all, I get all the
0: explicits in there. I got, there's a lot of your songs I think are hilarious. Oh, yeah. You always, uh, you know, there's, there's very few artists and, and again, you know, country music is great for this because they do tell a great story
2: mm-hmm. and,
0: but yours always have this, you know, just like your column, there's this quip and funniness and play mm-hmm. in your music, which is beautiful. I love that. You know, we need that uh, you know, when you can listen to a song and it can make you laugh at the mm-hmm. same time. That's that's perfection in my mind. Aww, Good
2: job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you so much everyone. Tanya Ryan um you know, check her out. Check all the links. Uh, she's definitely someone to follow cuz she's she's hilarious. Even if you just watch her stories every day <laughs> on Instagram.
1: <laughs> I'll post my husband. He's actually the funny one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting for uh all the reels on Instagram, she's gonna or TikTok, she's gonna do with this baby.
1: I know I gotta work on my TikTok. I, I'm practicing TikTok right now. I hate myself for it a little bit, but it's no, happening. I don't think I'll ever get there. It's but I'm hard. Okay People put a lot of time into that shit. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, I can't do this.
0: Yeah, I'm not that dedicated to. Yeah, I gotta online stuff. I'm, I'm
1: sorry. I'm trying to. You just he, you, you can't lose. If you lose it, you lose it. You gotta stay on the whole social media game. I'm trying to stay ahead of it here.
0: No, I you know, like with anything, you know, just as we you mentioned earlier with your writing, mm-hmm. you are reaching out for those that, you know, are your people and need you need that voice and you know, that flag that you're holding up for your your people. I feel the same way with my practice in that uh, not everyone fits in my practice and with me mm-hmm. and I'm not looking to serve everyone. I'm looking for those that fit me and fit my practice. And it's the same with your music and your profession, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, there's uh, you know, being at the very top is not healthy. You know, you're looking for that, you know, that, that, that middle road where, you know, you have this career that lasts as long as you want. And you've got a good following. You've got that, those like 1000 hardcore fans and that's all you need
2: mm-hmm.
0: to have A great career and and a great life. Mm -hmm. And uh, you continue on this path and it won't be hard at all for you to to achieve that.
1: Oh, thanks. I'm going to come here more often. (laughs) I like this. This is nice.
0: Right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great evening. And, uh, um, you know, if you listen to this podcast on whether it's a uh, uh, Apple or Spotify or anything, if you take a chance to review, that would be wonderful.
1: Yeah, Uh do it. Then more people can find the podcast. Yeah, there we go. subscribe.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great evening. Well, that was a lot of fun. I always have a great time hanging out with Tanya and having chats with her. She's one of those inspiring and, you know, together people in the world. So talented in so many ways. And her, you know, uh, confidence and you know, uh, love for speaking her mind, makes her a very special and wonderful person. And we need more people like her in the world. And I appreciate her boldness and stepping out and being vulnerable to the whole community to help a lot of women. Um, In my clinic, I see a lot of postpartum. We can help it quite a bit, Um, but that suffering is very real and it is scary. And when we... You know, shame women for just uh, telling the truth and being honest about how they feel. It is cruel and unkind, and uh, it's not necessary. So I um, I am very grateful for her, uh, you know, putting herself out there and uh, sharing that story. Um, you know, uh, it's definitely worth a, a listen if you want to go on the Western Wheel uh, um, com I think it could be. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's .com or .ca here in Canada, but uh, the articles will be there. I read her new article um, just yesterday that came out uh, kind of her rebuttal to these people and it was very well done and uh, showed a lot of maturity and um, you know confidence and she just was very grateful for her community and all those that support her and uh, you know all the good things they did to help her through that. And uh, it was lovely. And, uh, you know, let's hope those that were quick to judge and um, maybe say some hurtful things that uh, they may think twice and realize how what she shared was very helpful and uh, that when we do talk about mental health, it helps everyone. And, uh, you know, I saw another little saying today on Instagram where it was, uh, you know, a little saying saying that, You know, when we share our mental health on Facebook, it's a, you know, we're crying out for attention or a cry for help, and somebody crossed it out and said, a very healthy practice. (laughs) And I totally agree. You know, the more we share and are honest uh, about those things, the more people can learn and grow and, and help one another. You know, Instagram and Facebook isn't just for all the positive things in our lives. And being open and honest and seeking support... There is no shame in that. So thank you, Tanya, for your words and uh, your laughter and your fun. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This was a really fun episode. And again, if you want to learn more about the five elements of letting go, the uh, course is at, uh, you can find everything uh, link to my other pat- podcast with my son at jaredmccullum.com. And of course, all the links are below. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. And uh, take care of everyone in your community. And again, don't be afraid to really say how you're feeling today. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.